Blog Talk Radio. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you, it's never your fault. Brought to you by RAIN and this station. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And also, we have a group now. I suggest you join the group, get announcements, I think, faster, and, you know, all these algorithms, and they try to block stuff on the, on the regular page, but the group, you can get stuff very fast. Also, I'm on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Tees. Um, and also, you can email me, Saturdays with Joy Tees at hotmail.com. I would love to hear from you. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio and on Google. So please, if you uh, miss a show, don't worry. You can listen to any of the archives. I want to thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank the donors. People have given money. People have just listened and shared. I hope you guys really enjoyed them, and I hope your friends and family have enjoyed them. Well, this morning, I'm speaking with someone across the pond twice double time. (laughs) She is far, far away. But due to technology, we can speak to each other. She's a Nigerian-based photographer, Nigerian-born photographer, uh, writer, a speaker. She has her work has appeared in the National Geographic Traveler, BBC, CNN, The Guardian, Sunday Times Travel, The Telegraph, New York Times, and others. In addition to con- contributing to several books, she is also the author of 2018 Lowell Thomas Award winner for Best Travel Book, Do North. I did check that out. Wonderful pictures. You want to get it? It's great. Really beautiful and little side stories. Uh, best-selling uh, book, Lagam, Swedish Secret Living, Se- Swedish Secret of Living Well, uh, and it's available in 18 foreign languages. Um, she has been recognized with multiple awards for her work, including 2018 Travel Photographer of the Year Bill Muster Award, and she was honored with the MIPAD 100 Most Influential People of African Descent Award within Media and Culture in 2018. She is here honoring us with her presence to talk about her new book, In Every Mirror, She is Black. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody. She's good evening, Lola Akimade Akastrom. Thank you. I got that right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Joyce. Lola Akimade Akastrom. And thank you so much for that wonderful intro. Happy, happy, happy to be here with you. It's just so amazing. I've seen your name um, on Twitter and different places, and you've been commenting about some things I've done, and I was really honored by that. And I'm happy to have you here. As we spoke earlier, you have so many subjects that you cover in this book. It's not just about her or she in the mirror. There's also the outer society, the macro society that you also deal with in the book. Let's start before the book, though. This photographer. Where did you pick up the camera? (laughs) How did you learn how to shoot? When did that start? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because 
before the, the photography, I actually used to be an oil painter. And so the reason I got into photography was when I traveled, I took pictures of the places I wanted to paint or the scenes I wanted to paint once I got back. So okay. that was actually how I got into travel photography. I took photos, I came back, painted, and then after a while, I felt like I was duplicating effort. And so mm-hmm. I started, you know, exploring photography more as a, my new medium impression. So that was kind of how I got into photography. And do you remember, like, your first camera that you purchased? What kind of camera it was? Yeah. The Lumix, an old model Lumix, Panasonic Lumix. Long time and, ago, one of those films, and then uh, and then I started moving into Nikon. So. And why did you choose Nikon? What was special about them? Well, I think it was just more when I held it at the time, you know, Every photographer has a brand. They tend to stick with a brand once they feel it and carry it. Mm-hmm. And it feels light in their hands or they like the way it moves to their hands when they're gripped. Yeah. So I think for me, that was Nikon. And then I just kind of started investing, you know, in the lenses and the bodies over the years into Nikon. Now, do you um, use the phone at all? Like, you know, there's these high-tech iPhones with three different camera lenses and things like that. People are making movies. Or are you still using, like, a regular standard camera? Yeah, so, I mean, I use mostly my, you know, standard camera. I mean, I carry my iPhone with me. I I, I always say, you know, the best camera you have is the one on you. Mm-hmm. And one of the photos that actually won me a uh, travel photographer of the year was taken with an iPhone 5 in that portfolio, mm. you know. <laughs> so I always tell people it really is about crafting your eye, you know, coming up with your visual voice as a photographer first. Investing in the gear comes later, but spend time on adding a voice and making sure your photography says something. Now, do you walk around like when you go places in the past, you might have had three or four cameras and you have that big black bag. We always see photographers. <laughs> did, you have, did you have that thing going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually don't carry that many, you know, uh, cameras on me, you know. It's usually mm-hmm. just one back, especially if I'm on assignment. I just have one backup just in case something happens, you know, to the main one, and then maybe two, three lenses. But especially as a travel photographer, you want to be able to move light okay. and move through places and, and kind of get into the middle of scenes and markets. And so the lighter you go, uh, the better. You have been so many places in the world. I mean, I was looking through the uh, the book. Um, and I was just so jealous because I want to travel to all those places, and then you make them look so, you know, bright and beautiful and <laughs> interesting, even the people in the kitchen and the crawfish, the crayfish and things like that. Do you have a favorite yes. place in the world, because I have to say the world, um, that mm. you have <laughs> visited? Well, I mean, there are so, you know, every place offers up something memorable. So I always say, what are some of my memorable experiences? And, you know, they've been in places like Greenland, uh, Faroe Islands, Uzbekistan, you know, and they've Mm -hmm. always kind of tied with people, you know, that I met. So for me, it's the people I spend time with, the people I get to know, the serendipitous, you know, encounters, that's what makes a trip memorable for me, you know, and so I've been, you know, grateful and blessed so I've been able to explore uh, many different cultures around the world. Now, how do they receive you as a black woman or African woman photographer? 
How are you received? What has been your experience um, with the world, you know? So it really depends on where I go, right? And so, for example, when I was in Uzbekistan, um, I took a lot of selfies with locals because many of them hadn't seen a black woman. Mm. And this was just uh, two, three years ago when I was there. But I always dig deeper, right? So I'm all about nuance and cultural, you know, reasons why. And so I realized that the government actually doesn't grant visas to Africa, you know, or to people from kind of predominantly black countries. Mm. And so I traveled, so I traveled there on my Swedish, uh, I think my Swedish passport. But that also, you know, affects kind of the interaction with locals as well, because if we're not given visas to visit and interact and explore and yes. be cultural ambassadors, then how do we get closer? You know, if mm-hmm. there is always kind of a layer. So that is also what informs my travel. You know, the people aren't their governments. The government aren't necessarily the people. There's sometimes always a disconnect, you know. And so I always go with like a benefit of doubts to connect with people on the ground. Yes. Uh, not so much, you know, uh, what's going on politically there. So That's the same thing here, you know, in America. We have a government, even though we've co- we quote-unquote elected this government, some people are happy, some people are not. The government does not completely represent every person. And, you know, when we see things happening with our government and, and, and the same with other places, that's not the people, you know. Those yeah, are yeah, one yeah. set of a group of individuals with power who are saying go left, go right, go up and down. And I think, like you said, being able yeah. to be like an ambassador or allowing people to interact, it dispels so many myths that people have yeah. about Africans, African Americans. I mean, even here in yeah. America, uh, within the last year or two, a couple of years, I remember this white woman, I know she, she was asking me about locks. And she was just like, mm. just like, they're so dirty. And I was just like, what? And what? I was like, she said, they don't wash. And I was like, what do you, t-? and I said, what? okay, this is, this is a teaching moment, George. This is yes. a teaching moment. Yes. So, you know, I explained yes. to her about locks, what they were, mm. what people represent, you know, for different people. And I said, if yes. you're seeing someone who doesn't wash their locks, that's them. You know, people with locks wash their hair. You're supposed to wash your hair. Now, I told her about, you know, but it was just that moment in time of being able to explain, and she was being open. So the person has yes. to be open to learn, and you have to be calm enough to explain, you know, things Exactly, to them, exactly. You know? No, absolutely. So, and, and sometimes it can be very challenging to, you know, to even kind of summon the calm, you know, to then <laughs> explain, especially if you are thrown off guard, you know, by some yes. comment. Yeah. <laughs> now, so you're living in Sweden. How has that been? How long have you lived in Sweden? So I've been in Sweden about 11 years now. And uh, I moved from the U.S. to Sweden. You know, uh, I'm mm-hmm. here because I met my husband, and my husband is, um, you know, from Sweden. And so, we, so I moved. And at the time, I was working as a programmer, so it was an easier move for me than, than from, for him to move uh, to the U.S. And since then, you know, I've been, like I said, you know, as a travel writer, I'm really moved by curiosity. So the minute I came to Sweden, I was already digging beneath the surface, trying to understand the cultural nuances, the unspoken codes, how things flow within society. And that's kind of what led to the book, Law Gum, you know, which is uh, about the, yeah. 
No, and so how did his family take you when they learned that you were this African woman? It's, I mean, uh, if if they didn't accept me, I definitely wouldn't have been married to him. <laughs> like, they were very <laughs> you know, very I wouldn't have, you know, go, I wouldn't have even backed up that tree. No, but uh, you know, his family was definitely open and receptive, and you know, and and this is the thing: Sweden is a lot more diverse than people know outside of Sweden, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's also one of the reasons why I wrote this book, because on the outside, when people think about Sweden, they only think about kind of a one-dimensional image, you know, of yes. Volvos and blondes and meatballs and abba and cinnamon buns. But 25% of Swedish uh, citizens have at least one kind of foreign-born parent, you know, at mm-hmm. least got some foreign roots. And then there is about 400,000 people that consider themselves, you know, Afro-Swedes or of African origin or here in Sweden. So it is, um, you know, it is, in a sense, a lot more diverse than that, than it's being portrayed externally. Yes, yes. I was, at one point in my life, I almost moved to Germany. And, you know, that whole idea of this homogenous type of society and having to, to deal with, is, is it a homogenous society and all that. So I had gone to visit and... The, the person I was with, you know, just going around and, you know, researching and, and all these things. Yes. And like you said, there's, there's more people of color than we realize in these places. Um, but I will say um, years ago, I had a girlfriend who was engaged to an Italian. And, you know, when she was in Italy, it was very, very homogenous pretty much. And she lived in a place where it was like she was the only person of color. Nobody had, you know, they might not have seen anybody except on TV. And she was very yeah. dark, and she really had a hard time. And the interesting yeah. thing, it was hard to explain to her husband what she was going through. And, mm-hmm. when I, you know, when I went there for a week, and what I mean by that is, okay, yes, we know what a racist is, okay. But when you try to tell the person from that country your countrymen are racist your countrymen are disrespecting me because of my color and he would dismiss it oh she's beautiful you know they want to try to talk to her and i said no i've been here a week and let me tell you we had three or four interactions that were very ugly this is one week i was there you know beautiful country awesome food great landscapes all those can never be taken away. I never forgot the interaction, and, and with men, it wasn't. I didn't really have an issue with the women. It was men, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So, so, um, and also they thought that if you had braids, then you must have been a prostitute, which I didn't mm, know. Mm. And I had braids yeah. on my back, so here I go. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, have, yeah. have you I'm, I'm had to deal with that? Um, trying well, to explain. Well, to when others? I traveled. You know, when I traveled, you know, as a travel uh, writer, photographer, I've come across some of those kind of stereotypes when you move to different places. And especially in Europe, there is a lot of kind of stereotypes, you know, as well. And it comes from TV or like, uh, you know, underlying fetish or things like that. And I really try to address a lot of this in the book as well, you know, that um, mm-hmm. that it's uh, it, it's a very curious place, Europe, because there are a lot of interracial uh, relationships in Europe. And so a lot of Europeans say, well, look, my wife is black, so I'm not racist. But if your wife was your CEO or your boss, will you take 
direction from us, you know, and there's mm. two kind of different feelings, you know, sentiments that run and all of that I'm exploring. I explore my work and I'm going to explore even more. But uh, yeah, so that's the thing. Well, see, my wife is black, so I'm not, but would that person take directions from a black woman? And at mm. what point would you start pulling the stereotypes, you know, oh, she, my boss is an angry black woman, so I can't listen to her. But then, oh, my, my wife is an African and we know all the stereotypes, you know, of fetishes or things. So there is a lot, you know, to unpack that black women have to face, you know, daily. Now, let's talk about your book. You were talking about the women, but they also deal with the issue of sexism, um, gender issues, uh, not just race. Um, there are gender issues. Even with the white women and the, sw- the Swedish characters in the book, there is um, yes. sexism, and they seem to accept it or try to um, – what did the one girl, English character, was saying, oh, well, you know, the men, they need a lot of help. You know, yeah. I think she mentioned sure. that. So, that, so and, and that's touching on kind of this white feminism, you know, because uh, especially in Europe, there is a push for kind of gender equality. And when people talk about diversity and inclusion, especially in Europe, they usually mean gender equality. That's what it, it's it's not really kind of breaking down and getting, you know, people of different backgrounds, different orientations, different religions. It's more priority is gender equality, you know, and, mm. you know, feminism. And when you unpack it, then you unpack that it's a lot more kind of white feminism first, you know, before addressing everybody else's issues. And I do touch on this in the book as well. Yeah. Tell the audience a little bit about, more about the book, uh, the general idea, some of the characters and, and what was the book, what is the book about? Yes, absolutely. So in Every Mirror, She's Black is about three different women who all identify as black. Uh, Kemi is a very successful marketing executive. Uh, She was born in Nigeria but moved to the U.S., so she considers herself Nigerian-American. No, she is not me or based on my life, (laughs) but she is is Nigerian-American, so I could root her and I could write a character with authority. And but she's fantastic at her job, but struggling in her love life. And so she's kind of on the transition path in her life. And then uh, Brittany is a former model, always works as a flight attendant. And she's also kind of on the verge of transition in her life, not knowing what she really wants. And then Muna is a refugee from Somalia who lost her family on the way to Sweden. And so she arrives in Sweden as an underage uh, kind of minor refugee. And so she's trying to, to build a life, to find connection, to start creating a new family. And she, start, and she lands in an asylum center before she then gets, you know, sent to live somewhere else in Sweden. And so all these women, the, the story follows all three stories really closely, but I included a fourth character called Johan. He goes by Yoni. Johan von Lundin. And the reason I created Yoni as the link is because, generally speaking, black women don't move to Sweden without a reason. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I want to move to, like, a black man wants to move to maybe Italy or Portugal or Spain or somewhere different. Yeah. They don't just kind of say, oh, Sweden is a place I really want to just move. It's not usually on the either yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. Not on the list. Not on the list. So it's usually tied to work, you know, maybe a work transfer, maybe um, 
school, but that's usually less. It's usually tied to a relationship. Maybe they met the Swedes when they were traveling, you know, or they met someone in the U.S. or somewhere else, and then they got into a relationship and moved to Sweden. Or maybe they came in as a refugee. So that was why his character is important. But I never talk about him except from their own point of view. Mm-hmm. So you only know about him as a character based on how they interact with him as well. Yeah. So that's kind of the book in a nutshell is, are they all going to find, you know, what they're looking for? And, uh, you know, is Kemi going to move to Sweden and kind of find the missing path she feels? Yeah. She's missing in her life, which is love. You know, is Brittany going to find the stable kind of life that she wants wrapped in comfort? And will Muna find the family she really wants? I really felt for Mona, you know, being the, the underage, and she was lucky to get into the particular uh, refugee center. And I hate to say center because the way it's described in your book is is beautiful um, yeah. place, you know, out in you know the woods of you know Sweden somewhere, um, and they're yeah. very well taken care of, which is not the story that I would initially think of when I think of a refugee center. You know, the refugee right. center in my mind is overpacked and, you know, like people a, are... Like a camp, like a refugee yeah, camp. Yeah, a camp, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're tired, they're not getting enough food, you don't know what the, where they're going to go, there's no rhythm to, like, yes, most likely you'll get your papers and then you go out in a year or two. There's this, this kind of this chaos type of thing, but um, she was very yeah. fortunate the way you, you wrote that. Um, and yeah. I just felt for her I, looking for a family, you know, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, and, and I was going to say that the uh, Asylum Center is actually based on a real place I used to visit as a photojournalist. Wow. So these are all of these kind of experiences are, you know, inspired by lots of different people, different places, different things, different experiences. So I actually used to visit the refugee center for about maybe two, three years where I just went and did a photo portrait project with the refugees. And it was mm-hmm. there that I started learning more about their stories. And I'm like, these voices need to be given, need to be heard because they yes. are valid and they are a part of the fabric of Sweden. So even though I'm a travel writer and I write about the amazing places to visit in Sweden, I cannot not <laughs> lift these voices up and lift up this part of Sweden that also affects me as a black woman as well. Yeah, it's so um, funny because in the story, you have the women connecting even though they are on different class levels. And one of the really funny stories, of course, is the hair. You know, uh, (laughs) Luna uh, works at the building where Kemi is, you know, a a big wig uh, marketing exec. And, you know, she's like, where can I get some African food? And, exactly. and, and and also then and Kimmy meets a, a a person who a guy and I don't want to give anything but she meets somebody who helps her with the hair and he totally understood yeah. and there was no issue because he was he was um part uh, African American African African American so um yeah. that was something because my daughter I remember she went to live in France for for a semester and it was like where is she going to get her hair done. Oh, my God. It was like one of the first questions, you know, as a black woman, no matter where you go, like, where am I going to get my hair done, you know? It's important. um, It's important, right? It's the small thing because that helps make you feel beautiful, you feel confident. If your hair looks good, you know, it's a big part of being a woman. Um, The hair thing, and then for African-American women, I don't don't know if it's more, but I think um, looking at ourselves, 
through the eyes of our white counterparts or our, mm. our white people, we don't want them to think anything bad about us. We have to always represent, mm. and it's this weight a little bit on our shoulder, I feel. I don't know. Do you feel yeah. that, that weight that yeah, we have well, to represent I, I, in a certain way? And that's, and that's the weight I'm, uh, I'm actually trying to remove with this book. Because that weight is saying that all black people are monoliths. Like we're all, if I if I do something wrong, then I'm bringing down the entire culture, or I'm representing yeah. the entire culture. And that's mm-hmm. actually the weight I'm removing in this book. Mm-hmm. That, and that's mm-hmm. why I made these women very different, with very different mistakes, with very very different individuals, because that is the feeling like. If I'm going to be the only black person somebody meets, then I've got the weight of the entire black world on my shoulders, which is, <laughs> doesn't make bear that burden. We we need the privilege to be also treated as individuals, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually why I wrote the book this way. Now, I don't know. I think you probably heard of the Green Book that was written here in America for people to travel, yes. uh, African-Americans, yes. to face spaces yes. where they could eat and sleep. Uh, get gas yes. and around America, um, and I feel like yes. similar. Your book, um, the Due North, um, talking about different places and the photography, is a sort of a green book, also in a way, um, because when I think about having to travel, okay, I have to think: Is it okay for me as a black person to go here right now? What's going on? Right. I, I'm sorry, I, that's the way I think. Like recently, I went to. Um, Portugal by myself. I went to Lisbon. And, you know, my family's like, what are you doing? And, oh, okay, make sure you do this. And they're, like, checking off the list and doing all- Calm down, calm down. I've traveled before. Like, relax. <laughs> so, like, um, yeah. Now, I had never traveled by myself, but I had, you know, traveled. Mm. So I was like, I know what to do. And I went there, and I had a great time. Um, yeah. I think I only had, you know, one situation um, and it's the kind of unspoken situation. It's the look people give you. Maybe you're, you're in a certain store or different things. But other than that, I was fine. And I, I just enjoyed myself. And then as a woman, you know, my safety. So um, as a woman, when you're traveling, what are, are you concerned about your safety? Because, um, you know, do you have, walk yes. around with a guard or, uh, you know, in National Geographic? No. Do no. security? Yeah. What happened, you know? No. yeah. So, so real quick, I'll go kind of back to the Green Book uh, comment yes. you made. Um, mm-hmm. A good friend of mine and a fantastic, you know, kind of travel colleague and voice for diversity and inclusion in the travel industry. Mm-hmm. And she's written a, a kind of modern Green Book, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of based on the old kind of Green Book, she's written this modern Green Book that highlights different black-owned businesses around the globe. Mm. And so that's, so that's, you need to check it out because it's fantastic. And then it okay, allows you, if you want to support, support local black-owned businesses in diverse places around the world, then you can. So check that out. Uh, do, do not is more of how do I see the world as yeah. a black woman and how does the world see me as a black woman? So those are just more reflections of when I travel, what I was experiencing and how yeah. I was interacting with people, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, in terms of security, you know, a knock on wood, one of the the good things about being a, a, a black woman, you know, traveling as a woman of color is you are usually not the focus, right? So yeah. they look at me and don't assume I have anything of value on me. 
<laughs> so they, you know, they tend to. So that's one part of it, and then the other part is pick out in some places, or maybe they, um, you know, you know, exa- you know, like that stereotype of the prostitute or things like that. So it's balancing that, and also knowing places I can't just walk around at night. You know, having my common yeah. sense. You know, mm-hmm. and not being flashy, kind of going uh, below the radar. So yeah, traveling as a woman, you always have to be security conscious, and you know. Yeah, because the world yeah is not nice to women. <laughs> no, no, isn't it crazy? This is 2021. We've had pandemics. Um, we've we've yeah. had you know uprisings of all types of things, and we still have this issue about women and men. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. crazy. In some places, yeah. it's really horrible for women um, to, yeah. to to grow up. Even you know they're being Sun when they have their menstrual cycles. In India, exactly. they can't find places to go to the bathroom. There's a whole thing about that. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the, the issue of, you know, women, um, this lady did a movie about women um, in bathrooms. Because the okay. men can go anywhere. You know, they can just whip it out anywhere. Yeah. I need to be cool. Exactly. But, food, yeah. but, you know, that's the way to but, but that's it. it is what it is, yeah. You know, and, you know, menstrual cycle being shunned. So all these things, and it's like, it's 21 people people got yeah. iPhones like we're on iPhone 12 but we can't get past yeah. iPhone 1 with women. <laughs> yeah. What do we no, do? Absolutely. And what and do it's, we do? Not for us, it's not for women to fix it, you know, it's for no, men. No, no, not us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like with, with the dialogue on racism and then people are always looking for black people to fix <laughs> something they didn't create. Which mm-hmm, is racism. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so it is. It is on the shoulders of white people, you know, to fix it, you know. And so, with this case, you know, it's on the shoulder of men or the people that make women feel threatened, or they are the ones that are gonna have to fix it, not us. Wow, uh, it's 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 just ridiculous. But we have your book that uh, it, it's not just serious. You have some very you have some very funny moments in there. I want to tell people um, it's, it's not all serious. <laughs> you're, you're gonna laugh. Um, you, you, some parts you're going to cry, you know, and mm-hmm. um, some parts you're just going to be, like, hungry. And the, the question I'm going to ask you, when yes. is the next book coming out? Because you <laughs> left me hanging at the end. Like I said, I, I was know. like, where is the next page? No, 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 this can't be the end. <laughs> yes, no, I know, I know. And, and it's a, it's quite a, 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 a powerful ending, you know, but... I am working on lots of different, you know, uh, ideas and books as well. I have uh, stuff in the works is all I can say at this That's point. That's all she can yeah. say. She's secretive. Yeah. You hear that, people? She's being secretive. <laughs> she's she's going to keep everything low-key, and she's going to pop out, like, in six months, it'll be, like, three books. Like, oh, my God, when did you write these three books? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so but, but stuff is coming. So, we'll, we'll uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on uh, this morning, this evening for you uh, to the show. I I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm going to be giving away some copies of your book, like I said. Um, But before that, uh, tell people where they can find you on social media. No, absolutely, and thank you so much for having me, Joy. Um, I'm on social media at uh, Lola Akimade, and that's the same, you know, uh, uh, and do on all the different social media outlets, and then of course from my uh, portfolio, my website akimade.com. But I'm easy to find if you just pop my name in in Google. And I'm saying that not to be, <laughs> not to uh, say you know I'm easy to find. 
if you want she to find can me. Say it. She can say it. She can say it, people. It's okay. She's got awards and all types of things. And she's trying to be, like, bashful here. Seriously, uh, you can say it. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 can, you can Google, but uh, yes, I'm on social media, Lola Kimadi. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, you have a great uh, weekend. Thank you so thank much you for coming on you the show. Too. Okay. All thank right, you, bye-bye. Joy. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Hey, I think I got cut off, everybody. I'm sorry about that. Um, I just want to let you know I'm going to be giving away some copies of uh, her book. Um, you know, and you want to follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. And if you're interested, you can also donate to the show to help things keep running smoothly. I'm on PayPal, Saturdays with Joy Keys, and the book is called In Every Mirror She is Black, and that's what I'm going to be giving away, so you want to keep your eyes open. Listen to the show, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, um, right here at Blog Talk Radio, anywhere, share with your friends and family. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Next week, we're going to be... um, you know, have another show again, um, so check us out on Saturdays. Also, when you email me, you can sign up for the uh, newsletter, and that way you'll keep up to date about what's going on. Thank you again. You guys have a great weekend. I will talk to you soon. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.